Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Guy Dunlap from Guy's Woodshop, and I'm joined as always by Hui Huen, a.k.a. the Alabama Woodworker. Hey, Guy. Hey, Hui. Hello. And Sean, Sean Walker, creator of Simple Cove. Hello, Guy and Hui. Hello, Sean. Well, hello, Sean. I'm nice. nice. I say hello to everybody. Oh, nice, man. nice of you. Nice of Wait you to come tonight. <laughs> Thanks for calling me out. <laughs> this, this podcast is intended to answer questions from the woodworking community and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon account. Right now, we have one level, and we are simply asking for a small donation just to try to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. Please go to patreon.com Woodshop Life. I'd also like to say hello to some new patrons we have this time around, Nicole Curry and Peter Bates. Thanks, guys and Thank gals. And we sincerely hope that you will give us your support. Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear about what we've got going on in our own shops. So let's get right into it. Hui, you have the first question. Okay, so this question is from Brad. He says, good evening, gentlemen. I use that term loosely. Ouch. <laughs> I've been blessed to be a dad for a little son who is now three and a half years old. Congratulations. I have a three and a half year old daughter. And that's why I chose this question. I've had him out in the workshop trying out some of the tools, spoke shaves, hand planes, drill press, clamps and vices, and some other hand tools that I deem safe under direct supervision. It is so much fun to see the wheels turn as he experiments with them. I've made a decision to expose and introduce him to these experiences early on in the hope of planting the seed of, for curiosity and establishing a foundation of fundamental skills, understanding of how things are created. I do worry, though, as he becomes comfortable with different tools, he will eventually want to try and experiment on his own. I am always reinforcing that he is not allowed to do things without me, but at some point, I do worry that he might try and do things while I'm gone. At this time, I flip all the breakers for the power tool circuits, and I am comfortable with this solution for now. However, as he gets older and might understand why I'm opening and closing the gray panel, I am looking for some more control of when things run. Are you guys aware of any solutions with new smart breakers, etc., that would allow more direct control over how and when circuits can, can have power? I have looked online at Square D's website, and I am not finding a simple solution for this in terms of a retrofit solution on a standard electrical panel. It seems like a few smart breakers that are password protected would be a perfect solution. Some of the tools have those yellow plastic inserts in the switch, but I was looking for something a little more elegant to control the power at the circuit level. Benjamin and I often listen to the show after the lights go out for bedtime. So if you can keep the jokes reasonably clean, that will save me some explaining later for his mother. <laughs> Love the show and keep up the great work. I totally understand that, Brad. Sometimes we have a little potty potty here and there, but it's not too bad, I don't think. So I, I, I found this kind of interesting uh, because I have a three and a half year old daughter and I have a son. Uh, and of course, my son is only three months old. He it will be a while before he gets into the shop, but my daughter likes to play in the shop and uh, she plays in the shop while I'm there, you know, with scraps and whatnot, building things, typically just her imagination. But I totally get what you're saying, Brad, and something that I found 
that I might actually start incorporating as she gets a little bit more curious and a little bit more interested in things. Right now, she has not touched any of the power tools, and she doesn't have any interest in the power tools because they're loud and they seem kind of scary. That probably won't be the case in a year or two. So uh, you can actually get these um, breakers with a little uh, lock on them. Uh, I can't remember what they're called, but uh, I think... It's all for the panel. It, it's it's for the breaker. So you switch off the breaker and then it it's a cap that fits over the breaker mm-hmm. and then you can put a little lock on it. For me, that's only... The one breaker I would be concerned about is my tool island. That's table saw, band saw, router table, so on and so forth. Um, not concerned about the outlet for the dust collector. Not terribly concerned for the outlet for the CNC because it can't operate unless the computer's on and you know there's that's password protected. So I'm not too concerned about that. So really, it would only be one breaker that I'm concerned about, and that would be the breaker for the tool island. So. I think they're like anywhere from five to ten dollars, and Masterlock makes them, and they fit on the Square D. Now I don't know about the Eaton. Eaton is a brand, right? E A T O N. I don't know if it'll fit that, but I do know it'll fit the Square D breakers. So you might look into that. And then the other other thing that I can think of is that uh, I have these uh, magnetic switches for. There's the magnetic switch for the. Uh, bandsaw, table saw, and then I have a magnetic switch that I retrofitted for my router table. And if I wanted to, I could put a lock on that. And now that's not as elegant, I understand, and you have to go to each an individual tool and unlock it. But those are the only two things that I know of. I don't know of a smart breaker, although I'm pretty sure there's got to be something out there that that would do that at this point with everything being you know smart home. Uh, enabled. So Sean, uh, uh, Sean, I know you've got nieces and nephews that come over. Uh, you know, is that something that you're ever concerned about? Is that some, my guess is probably not, but I don't know. Do you have anything to offer or give a little bit, shed a little light on his question? Not, not really. You know, I, it's definitely a concern when they come over. Cause I mean, when they were younger, I would constantly be watching them. So I can, I can only imagine how scary it is to have kids that age that live there that you constantly have to worry about. I think that I would somehow prevent them from even being able to get into the garage with some sort of lock on the door um, to not allow them to be in there unless you are in there. So, I mean, I would probably start at that and putting some, some lock way above where they can't reach. Um, for several years anyway, and go that route. I don't have anything else to add outside of what you mentioned for the, for the panel, but I would start with looking at not, not letting them get through the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know if you, that, that would be really tough to do with kids to section off a portion of the house from them. Um, yeah. A garage. Yeah. But still, you know, <laughs> You know, if you've got a family and you've got a garage, there's a lot of things in the garage that everybody has to get to. Yep. Um, So there, I know for a fact in most commercial buildings, it's required that the breaker panels are actually locked. Mm. But those are commercial breaker panels. I don't see why you could not, even if they don't, even if you got like this, 
you know, square D box on your wall or whatever, <clears throat> GE, doesn't matter. Yeah. I don't see why you couldn't retrofit your own little padlock system on it. Yeah. Just yeah. fill a couple holes in it and screw the darn thing in there. Even though it's easily defeated, if he really, really wants to get in there, yeah, it's still enough of a deterrent where he's not going to do it. Because to do it, he's going to have to break something, cut something. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that he's going to incur wrath yeah. if that happens. So there's no way he can hide it, I guess yeah. is what I'm saying. And they're three and a half years old, too. So we got to keep that in mind. Well, yeah. but I'm talking about when he gets older. Yeah. When, he, you know, he's like eight or nine, they start to get a lot more inquisitive and that type now, of thing. So now you, you, you've had your, get to, am I correct in this? You, you've actually had your granddaughter come in the shop a couple of times and help yeah. you out, right? Yeah. yeah. But again, but, that, that, that's under direct supervision. It's, it's and, different. And she doesn't, she doesn't live here. Right. Right. So. You know, when she was old, when she was that young and she was coming over here, she's, she's going to be driving in a couple months. Wow. Oh, my goodness. But uh, when she was younger, you know, four or five, six years old and coming over here, she she loved to spend time with me out in the shop. Yeah. Uh, not so much anymore. She's a teenager. <laughs> so, yeah. but, um, you know, my son uh, never wanted to really spend time in the shop with me. Now he's got a, he's got his own house and he's got, you know, a full shop full of tools mm. and a saw stop really nice yeah, safe yeah yeah, yeah. He's, he's not gonna safe. die <laughs> he's not gonna die so um was that was that a knife right to the side guy no no i, I, I know said, I, I think saw stops are a good idea just not for me but uh yeah that's a that's a tough thing to do I, if you're, you're worried about the electrical i mean if you have hand tools you can lock those in cabinets very mm. easily if you're worried about the power tools, squeeze right. Most of those things do have child protection devices on them, either a magnet or a little plastic key that's removable so the yeah. switch doesn't work. You can take those out and lock them up. Yeah. You know, there's another option. Or you can retrofit a, a, a padlock onto your electrical box. Mm-hmm. Personally, I think if you just put a lock on the, um, on the, on the circuit box, that's probably the best thing to do. It, it, it seems like the easiest solution. Yeah, I you know? agree with that. And, and and I think that's a good, uh, that'll be a good lesson. Like, hey, this is, you know, these things can hurt you. So, you know, we only turn them on when, and just ha- seeing that that routine is probably a good thing for your son as well. So yeah. it just reinforces the idea of safety, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I do it, dangerous things. No, I don't do the dangerous things. It's kind of... <laughs> Yeah, three and a half is a completely different kid than eight. And then you're, I'm just, I'm just yeah. thinking, eight years old. Wow. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Yeah. I know what I was like at eight and nine and ten. Yeah, they're they get your hand, they get their hands on everything. I would have yeah. figured it. I would have figured out anything. Yeah. Right or wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably wrong. Probably. I remember I was eleven years old and I was just learning how to build RC cars. And I, there was an older gentleman um, who was a mentor of mine, and he, was, he did R, uh, RC airplanes, not RC cars, RC airplanes. And, uh, you know, the balsa wood constructed airplanes and everything. And so I would go over on the weekends and, and uh, 
be in his shop and he, we would build an RC plane. And I remember having the disc sander and he was at the belt sander t- side of the disc. It was a combo sander. And I remember looking at it and I just, for whatever reason, I decided to just put my thumb up to it <laughs> and it just like sh- sheared the skin right off of my thumb. And I, I felt like such an idiot and Dumb I don't know. Ass. I don't exactly. I have. <laughs> hey, we we had to keep the jokes reasonably clean for Brad here. Do you remember? <laughs> All right. So watch it. I don't know why that. I thought that was a a good idea, but but for some reason I just put my thumb up on it, and I just remember him looking. He just freaked out, and he was just you know just scrambling to try to get all the blood from coming out of my thumb. <laughs> oh, that uh, blood all over his planes that he was building. Yeah, well that uh, that <laughs> afternoon ended very early. He just he just stained <laughs> it for him as all. Well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think you have the next question, Sean. Okay. Thanks for the informative podcast. I have a question regarding dado blades. I have a 10-inch Delta's table saw 36-725T2, and I'm wondering what blade to get. Most of the dado blades I see for sale are 8 inches and some 6 inches. Being that my table saw motor is not an overly powerful one, would a 6-inch blade be better to reduce the weight? What are your recommendations on size and maybe some brands you have used and suggested? Or in suggest rather. Thanks, Trevor. Uh, you know, it looks like the Delta that Trevor mentions accepts up to a 13 16 dado stack. So in other words, 13 16 with all the little blades put together. Um, but it is a contractor saw. Um, and that means we're going to have some power issues on this. Uh, I did like look. One and a half, two horsepower. Uh, it's, it's a, I didn't see um, exactly how many horsepower it had. That okay. um, sounds about right though. I, I think I know. I think I had his table saw. Yeah. Contractor saw. I think I know what it is. Yeah. Um, I looked at the documentation for that saw and I didn't see anything about whether it required, or you can only use a six or an eight inch, or if you could use an eight inch rather. I have seen some saws in the past, some contractor saws say that you can't use an eight inch, you can only use a six inch. And then obviously some saws say you can't use one at all, uh, just depending on the arbor length and all that stuff and, and some other factors. So another thing that I look at when determining what kind of dado stack, first, you need to look at the saw. And I think you're going to be limited solely off the saw, but I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the other considerations. Um, You know, the max cut capacity vertically, you can get, I think, two and a half inches out of an eight inch dado stack and one one to one and a half, well, probably closer to one and a half inch capacity, typically out of a six inch stack on a 10 inch table saw. So you got to take into consideration what kind of projects you're you're doing to uh, to determine what size dado stack. I'm just going to be honest with the contractor saw with it being one to one and a half horsepower. It's typically, from what I've seen, it's recommended to stick with a six inch dado stack. Just um, that in, in combination with the max capacity and what you're using it for. I very rarely go over an inch with the dado stack, and and when I use it and it's going to be uh, smaller, lighter uh, for less powerful motors. It's going to be cheaper. Um, so that's a plus. Uh, so I, I would personally, if it were me and I had that saw, I would go with six inch just because that's how I would use it. Mm. Um, now, brands of, of dado stacks, I got to thinking about this and I'm like, what brands of dado stacks have I used? And ever since I started woodworking, I've only used the Ashland brand dado stacks and finger box joint uh, stacks. And had great success with them. Um, I now have a 10-inch 
uh, saw three horsepower. I've had a 10 inch, but three horsepower. And I do use an eight inch or I purchased an eight inch last time. But to be honest, I could still do everything I needed with a six inch dado stack. But I don't have any any recommendations outside of Ashlyn. Uh, they've, they've treated me very well. Uh, they're priced well. And uh, I'm going to pass it to Guy to see what brands he can recommend on dado stacks. Well, uh, what's this gentleman's name? Trevor. Trevor. I'm sorry, Trevor. My, I had a craftsman contractor saw for, oh gosh, maybe 24, 25 years. And it had a quote unquote three horsepower saw, uh, motor on it, which it wasn't. It was more like a horse and a half. And I started out with a six inch wobble wobble dado blade it's like a variable variable that has got a little click wheel on it and expands and it actually worked pretty well but it didn't leave flat bottoms yeah so i went to a freud six inch and the reason six inch is because the motor and the, the the all the stuff inside that isn't beefy enough to handle the weight of mm-hmm. the eight inch blades. Yeah. So if you've got a contractor saw, you're going to kind of have to stick to the six inch stacks. I had that Freud for also for a very, very long time. And when I was looking for a new blade, I read a bunch of articles and I talked to a lot of people. And what I ended up getting was the Infinity Tools Day Donator. Yeah. The eight inch. <clears throat> and the main reason for that is it has a perfectly flat bottom and it doesn't have little ears. Yeah. On the cross section. Um, and it's hard to explain what the ears are. So basically you've got the the... The, the tip of the blade on the outside edges, making like if you're looking at the, the dado that it's cutting at a cross section, it'd be like little ears pointing out of it at the top, kind of like Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, the datanator does not do that. And that's why I bought it. And I have an eight inch one and I love it. They also make a six inch one. Yeah. Um, they are not cheap. At work, we have a forest. I think they call it a dado king. And it's pretty good. But I can't use it because I don't have a saw that... Well, they have two saw stops, but those are in the production shop, production side. And I don't use those, I don't use those saws at all anymore. I'm strictly on the slider, which is a 12-inch blade. <clears throat> and you there you can't put a dado stack on it. Yeah. Be, just because of what that's that's the way it is. So yeah. I, I had to make some drawers today and I was using a router bit for the dados. Yeah. For the for the drawer bottom. So my recommendation to you from, from what I've used, if you have the, the budget for it would be the datanator. I think mm-hmm. it's around it's gonna be a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, what have you used and what can you recommend? I had a, a contractor table saw very similar to Trevor. And so, yeah, it's one and a half horsepower motor. Uh, it's an outboard motor. 
you know, connected with the mm-hmm. belt. And I had a six inch dado stack from Harbor Freight. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know. Oh, by so the way, much. I should say I do I did have an Oshlin one also for a while. It wasn't that bad. Pretty, yeah. It wasn't bad. That's all that I use. It was not very good. The one from Harbor Freight. Huh. Uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you can't see me right now, but I'm, I have my shocked face on. <laughs> Shock face, yeah. yeah. Huh. Um, it wasn't that it was absolutely unusable, terrible. Oh my goodness, this is the worst thing ever. It, it, it just required cleanup. You know, it wasn't the cleanest. It didn't create the cleanest bottom. Didn't uh, cut it, very well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it wasn't straight. It was really cheap. And and that's what I was looking for. Teeth broke off. Yeah, yeah. And then when I went to a grizzly table saw, a cabinet saw, I got the 8-inch Datonator. And I've had that since. So that stayed with me when I moved over to the saw stop. Yeah, it's a great Dato stack. I really like it a lot. Yeah, I did the same thing. I read a lot of reviews on the Datonator. And it was either that or the Freud dial-up. Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? What yep. the heck is that called? Dial-up. It's, it's like, a, like a, a wobble blade. It's a date, It's an adjustable dado stack. That's yeah. what I was talking about what I had originally. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at that and... So, sorry to dial interrupt you. Dial-a-width. Yeah, dial-a-width. Yeah, yeah, that's what, that's it. Um, is that so you don't need shims? It allows you to adjust it that way, basically. Yes. There's no shims. There's just a knob on it and you spin it and it gets wider or better. So you have to take the stack off. I guess Mm -hmm. you can just loosen the arbor nut. Uh, yeah. 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 You just loosen the arbor nut and then you, it has increments or whatever on it. And, uh, I was looking at that. I can't remember who was using that at the time. And I thought, Oh, that's really neat. You don't have to use shims. Those were the two that I was looking for, and I, I settled on the Datonator. And it works well. I like it. I still have it. And uh, I've had it for, I don't know how many years. I, I haven't had it sharpened yet. Cause I, you know, I, don't, I don't use it that often. Cool. Right. Hope that helps, Trevor. Yeah. So I think I have the next question. I believe this so. Com- this comes from Nate. It says, hey, guys, I recently started monetizing my woodworking skills as a side hustle which has been great as it has allowed me to upgrade a lot of my tool arsenal. I just bought a saw stop professional cabinet saw. And of course the difference between it and a job site saw are night and day. I have managed to cut both of my hands on two separate occasions with my DeWalt table saw without removing digits, fortunately. So if there ever was a person who needed to invest in a saw stop, I am that man. Well, well, we're not laughing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's good. Uh, I think my next buy will be a festival, most likely track saw or perhaps a helical bed planer, helical blade planer. Currently my bread and butter work tends to be sliding barn doors. I don't claim to be an extremely highly skilled woodworker with that does uh, intricate joinery at this point. I simply realized that I could capitalize on my acquired skills and make smaller scale projects for extra shop money. Nice. The one tool I have not invested yet in is a jointer. 
I highly desire to have one, but I have been able to get by for this long without it, so I'm in no particular hurry to get one. My question is this, how beneficial does having a joiner tend to be in your experience, and is it something you use all the time? Is it something you would consider a must-have for any serious woodworker? And he apologizes for this being long-winded. Thanks in advance, Nate. So I'm going to cut right to the heart of this. My answer is yes. It's an extremely important tool. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more important when you're doing woodworking, especially what you call, you know, fine woodworking or heirloom quality furniture. You have to have flat material to work with. Mm-hmm. And a jointer not only does the edges, but it also does the face jointing. You can take it. If you have a a board that's twisted and cupped and all kinds of crazy wonkiness and you put it through a planer, it's not going to matter. You have to start with a reference surface. The jointer gives you that. It's the first step in four squaring a board. So there, I said it. Get I mean, a that's, joiner. That's that's pretty straightforward. I, I I I I can't agree with you more. Oh, I can agree with him more, even well, more. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, you, you know, I was thinking about this guy. I 100% agree with you. You are, in my eyes, absolutely correct always. Um, <laughs> Except when he was wrong. Yeah, that, that one time. time. As well, that one time I was wrong. I remember, I remember the day well. <laughs> um, you know, w- one of the things that I'm guessing. And I could be wrong about this, Nate, and I apologize if so. Um, I'm guessing you use pre-milled lumber for your uh, sliding barn door material. I'm guessing you probably do, you get some pre-milled lumber, then you stain and or paint it. I think where you're going to really start to benefit from having a joiner is that you can buy rough lumber in bulk and really save money on your material by milling it yourself, because I would say sliding barn doors takes quite a bit of lumber to make, depending on the size and how many you're making. Mm-hmm. So that's one of many, many benefits of having a joiner is you can start to mill up your own lumber. You probably have, if you do that now, you probably have a planer sled that you run through your, your planer, um, yeah. which takes time. Um, and time is money when you're, you know, making a product to sell. So that's just a couple of positive a couple of reasons to get a joiner to save money, save time to uh, hopefully, you know, prolong the business, keep it successful and, and making, making money from it. Yes. Get a joiner. But yeah. But even if you buy pre-milled stock, I mean, I've, I've milled stock in my shop and I come out the next day and it's, it's, it's twisted and moved. So yeah, a, a, a joiner to me is, one of the most important tools in the shop. Here's the other thing is that while he's only making barn doors and smaller things now, his skill is going to advance and he's going to want to push that limit. And while he's able to get away, and I shouldn't say get away, but he's able to accomplish what what he needs to do to make a good quality product right now, I think when he gets into acquiring more skills and really wanting to push himself, he's really going to see the value of having a joiner. And of course, there we've talked about the workarounds. We've talked about the different things that you can do, router sled to flatten, table saw, uh, uh, jig, 
uh, router table with offset fence. All those things work, right? And, and, and you could do that. But it, it, it requires some setup and some addition of a jig that you have to either store or bust out or, or set up the tool differently in order to do that operation. Whereas having a joiner that's set up strictly to do that is just going to save you a little bit of time, which ends up being a lot of time in the long run. Like I said earlier, you know, you're going to push your limit in terms of what you can do without having it. Yeah. All right. I think we are all pro jointer. Pro jointer. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools, makers of Shaper Origin. Shaper Origin is an intuitive handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Woodworking with Origin is simple. You steer Origin while it makes the necessary real-time adjustments to ensure clean, accurate cuts. With its easy-to-use touchscreen interface, you can quickly create designs on the spot or upload existing project plans. It's small enough that you can use Origin in the shop or take it with you on the job site. With Origin, traditional workflows become easier and more reliable. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware, insulation, and more with speed and precision. Learn more about Shaper Origin at shapertools.com forward slash woodshop. As an add-in bonus, you can try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Upgrade your workshop today at shapertools.com forward slash woodshop. Thank you, Shaper Tools, for sponsoring our show. Yeah, it's awesome. It is awesome. It's an awesome tool. Mm-hmm. Um, Hui, you have the next question. All right. So this is from John Malcolm. He says, thanks for the podcast. I enjoy it tremendously. And it is obvious that the three of you are really good friends. Mm. It's questionable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I recently... <laughs> I recently saw a short YouTube video from Woodworkers Guild of America, George Vondriska, about a track saw guide's rail set that can be adapted to almost any regular circular saw and provides accurate straight line cutting of sheet goods and dimensional lumber on a standard track track rail. Uh, please see the video. I, I've seen this video. Uh, I think you guys have as well. Uh, it would appear that you can buy these track saw rails, an adapter plate, and if the instructions are followed correctly, bolt your regular circular saw to a base that indexes on their track accurately and with repeatability for making straight cuts. The purpose of this is to reduce the expense of buying a single purpose saw when you already generally have one that can be used for this purpose. The adapter plate is bolted to your regular circular saw base with four bolts, which are supplied by TrueTrack, using a guide to index for square position uh, index for square positioning of the saw onto the adapter plate. The guide rail track is then trimmed perfectly using the saw, and performance at that point is identical to that of any track saw. There are several YouTube clips of this, and it's also available on Amazon, or you can buy it direct from the manufacturer. It gets excellent reviews if you place any faith in them. I believe all three of you esteemed gentlemen already have either the Festool or Makita track saws and guide rails, so you are extremely knowledgeable and experienced with this type of device. What are your thoughts on this? I've actually seen it this tool before it was actually uh, on Woodworkers Guild of America when when the wood show used to the woodworking show used to travel around there was always a booth that had true track or easy track I think is another brand that's out there 
And I almost picked one up actually. And it was before I saw it before I even knew about the Festool track saw. Then I saw the price of it and I was like, oh my goodness, that's that's really expensive for, for those tracks. Uh, I think it was at the time around $300 for the double track and the adapter. And you would get the double track so that you could cut down any 88 foot sheet of plywood. After that came out, then I found out about the Festool track saw. And then my jaw dropped even more when I realized how expensive the Festool track saw is along with the track. But ultimately, I decided, at least for me, why I went with the Festool track saw is because I use it for other things like router base. Um, you can use the LR32 uh, if you get the LR32 track, which I think is about the same price as a normal track. Uh, you can use the LR32 for cabinet, um, uh, Euro cabinets and whatnot. Uh, so, so there's the benefit of that. And plus, I know that the the Festool tracks are just really, really precise and accurate. They're very straight. I, I don't know about the True Track or the Easy Track. I'm sure they are. But ultimately, what I found was that the True Track, when we just look at the price of the tracks, they were about the same price as just the tracks for the Festool track saw. So really, what it came down to is, do I did I want the Festool track saw with the dust collection and all the other stuff that 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 comes with it and and I kind of liked that system and so that's why I decided to go with that instead. Guy, I know you've gone to the uh woodworking shows on many occasions. Have you seen those booths? Yeah. I I I I don't know. I don't know much about those things. I'll be honest with you. Okay. I kind of looked at them and go, "Yeah, I've got a uh <laughs> a piece of MDF with a board attached to it that I used mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it did the exact same thing as what the couple, three, $400 for those other ones are. Yeah. There's no benefit to it at all. F from, from a shop made jig. From a shop made jig. Right. Right. The, the saw doesn't plunge mm -hmm. like a, like the, the, the Festool or the Makita or the Bosch or the DeWalt. You can't mm -hmm. plunge into the middle of work. You can, but it's you know it's a little it's a little hanky to do. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I can't say one way or the other. I've had the I've had the the festival tracks off for a number of years, and it works really really well. That's all I can tell you. The tracks are good. They are expensive, but they are good. They're straight. The chip guard works well. The, the little foot that goes on the other side of the blade for the chip guard. And I'm talking about the little green thing that slides down. Yeah, yeah. There's, the zero clearancing in the front. Zero clearance. Yeah, there's absolutely no chip out on that thing at all. Yeah. If you've got a sharp blade and you support it underneath, I cut on a piece of foam. There mm -hmm. is absolutely zero chip out, cross-cutting, ripping, whatever. It's tremendous. Can I say one reason why I wouldn't buy one of these? Yeah. Good. Accessories. Yeah. yeah TSO, cool. all the rail guides, the uh, no way. Having had that now for the last project that I, no way would I go with any other system where I couldn't adapt something like that with it. Yeah. Um, if I'm spending, I'm looking at the eight foot combo kit. You're spending almost probably what well, it says it's on sale. 290 or three, or three twenty If it's not on sale. 
if I'm mm-hmm. spending that kind of money that, you know, that I'm using a saw without the capability of plunging and all that stuff, man, I'm no, I would rather just build something on my own or, yeah. uh, or just spend a couple hundred more and get 300 more, two, 300 more and get a Makita set or something to give me the ability to use all the except third party accessories yeah. for this. And plus, <clears throat> man, I have never had luck with connecting tracks to make a longer <laughs> track. No way would I do that. Yeah. No, I, I would pass on this. That's okay. just me. And I'm cheap. <laughs> That's yes. Those, those, some good, those, some good points though, Sean, you know, like I said, I, I, I saw those things, but I never really even considered them. Yeah. Um, cause like I said, they don't do anything that a door board doesn't do. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway. that's kind of what I thought too, is that it's, it's at that point, I would have just made a shop made one. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, how do you, how do you use that? So you're, you're amounting, you're mounting a base to your circular saw. So it's always going to have a base on it. Yeah. Hmm. Which doesn't hurt it too much. You know, you're just going to lose a little bit of capacity, but yeah, that'd be a. I I mean, I get, I guess if you had a dedicated circular saw just for that and circular saws are relatively inexpensive in the grand scheme of how much track saws cost. So I, I could understand that, but I, I would probably just want a circular saw dedicated to that base because I wouldn't want to have to take it on and off, on and off. Because I imagine you have to recalibrate it every time. Yeah, which goes against one of John's points of the purpose of this is to reduce the expense of buying a singular purpose saw. So yeah. it's like, eh, eh, spend a couple hundred more and get a Makita yeah. set and then spend three three fifty more and get you a, dedica- a dedicated <laughs> hundred six inch track. track. Yeah. Those things the tracks are expensive. Yeah. But they're worth it. Yeah. I uh, yeah. They are. I've got four of them. They're worth it. <laughs> All right. Sean. On to me. All right. It's your turn. Sweet. All right. So here we go from Scott. Thank you for all the great information from the podcast. Right now I have a Wood River spoke shave, a Wood River shoulder plane. I have a Buck Brothers number four plane and a block plane, both from the Home Depot totaling $50. I have learned to sharpen well and get wispy shavings and a mirror surface on most woods. Though the plane seems to lose its setting quickly and the blade chips on anything harder than pine. Ooh. I have some money and I want to buy a new plane. I only have about $350 to spend. Which plane would you recommend? I think a bevel up Veritas or Wood River and uh, buying a second 50 degree blade. Scott. Well, this is interesting that you say that because I currently have a Veritas bevel up smoothing plane and a second blade that I sharpened to 50 degrees. Uh, for tougher grain situations. So I have that exact setup and it, it works great. And I like being able to quickly switch between the two, the two plane irons. And uh, if I'm going to town on some crazy grain, I'll switch to the 50 and give it a try and clean it up and then put the other blade back in. Because when you try to plane with a 50 degree blade, it's rough. It, it You have to push extremely hard compared to <laughs> like a 30 degree or something like that. So you'll notice a difference with a 50 degree uh, blade in the plane, but it's nice to have on hand for tough grain. Um, I thought about this question and it's a tough one. If you didn't have the issue with the Buck Brothers number four losing its setting, this would be a lot easier to answer. So you do mention that you get wispy shavings in a mirror surface on most woods. So it sounds like you have the number four dialed in. I'm just not sure how much of a pain in the butt it is with losing its settings and how often that happens. 
So let me, I've got a couple of different scenarios on how I would look at this. First being, all right, it's time to ditch the Buck Brothers um, and buy a bevel up smoother and an extra blade that you can hone to a 50 degree bevel. Um, and this is going to give you, it's going to replace that with a high quality smoother with that blade. And it's going to come in at a little bit under $350. So that's kind of what I'm, I'm sensing from your question of how you're thinking about going, but there's another option that I thought about, and that is keeping the Buck brothers buy an aftermarket blade and a chip breaker, uh, perhaps look at Hawk tools and see if they have a blade and an iron or a blade and a chip breaker that will fit your plane because I know some planes you can't really put a thick blade in there and some of them you can um, look at your blade that you have in it now see what Hawk Tools has for it that'll allow you to upgrade your Buck Brothers to at least get rid of one of the issues of the of the blade chipping it's not probably not going to help with its setting uh, losing its settings but again so just just hang in with me on that for a second uh, the next thing I would do is with the money left over, I would pick up a bevel up jack plane from Veritas. Um, I think that's going to be a workhorse plane for you. You can do some slight smoothing, beginning phases, smoothing with it to uh, then switch over to your number four with the newer blade and iron or the blade and chip breaker. I don't know why I keep saying those two. Um, I, I find reasons to use my jack plane all the time. I love, you know, shooting miters, using it with the shooting board for not only miters, but all kinds of uh, purposes, and it's it's my workhorse, the uh, the bevel up jack plane. Um, it's going to allow you to upgrade your Buck Brothers to get rid of the cheap blade that's in it, and add a new plane that you currently don't have to add some versatility to your lineup. So, in a nutshell, ditch the Buck Brothers and go with the bevel up smoother and get the extra blade, or keep the Buck Brothers and see if you have enough money to upgrade the iron and the chip breaker with a Hawk Tools and buy you a bevel up low angle jack plane with looking at getting an extra potentially getting an extra blade for it but i i don't think i would if you're going to go low angle uh jack plane just get the jack with the extra blade for the um for the buck brothers that's probably how that's tough that's how i would go maybe depending on how often it loses its setting if it says if you say quickly man this is tough this is tough. I don't know. Yeah, if probably... it loses its setting that fast, I, I mean, I, I, I can see a cheap plane like that. You start working it, and all of a sudden the blade starts slipping back. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't tighten it down no matter what you do. It's going to move around. Yeah. And yeah. You get, all of a sudden you're getting, pl- you're getting, it's moving to one side, and you're getting planer tracks. And it's just yeah. Just I, I, I don't know if upgrading the blade is going to. Nope really change solve that, that problem yeah. All, the only i'm going to jump in here the only inf- the only uh thing i can really tell you scott is like sean i have a veritas bevel up smoother um that thing is awesome it's just awesome i, I have about a dozen hand planes mm-hmm. and realistically there's only four i use first of all is the little lee nielsen block plane Mm-hmm. which is another story we're not going to get into right now. Great, great, great tool. The second one is I have a Lee Nielsen jack plane, which I don't think are that expensive. I think they're like 200 Well, at the time it was $250. Yep. So I don't know how much they've gone up since then. The Veritas um, is now 266, I think for their, well, wait, wait for their jack, for their low angle jack. Yeah. 266, yeah. I think. 
So Lee Nielsen at the time was around 250. And I used that thing a lot, a lot. I used my my Veritas bubble up smoother quite a bit. The other tool I use quite a bit is my number four Stanley that I paid 20 bucks for on eBay. Yeah. And I bought a Veritas PMV 11 blade and chip breaker for it. Mm-hmm. And that thing rocks. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I think I paid maybe like 70 or 80 bucks for the, the uh, PMV 11 blade at the time. This was a good you know, 15 years ago. 10, yeah. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe when they first came out. And so for less than a hundred dollars, I got a really good plane. Um, but those are the four I use the most. If I was just going to have one plane, I would go with the, 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 the jack plane, mm-hmm. bubble up jack plane. Cause it's going to, the, the jack comes from jack of all trades. Yeah. It does a yeah. lot of things. And, and that's kind of why I went that route with number two. I use my jack plane more than I use my, my smoother. I don't smooth boards at all. I mean, I do some small ones. I use I use that smoother just if I want to take it because it's handy and it's yeah. got a very, you know, it's it's like a, uh, the, the blade is much wider. I can't remember the exact measurements on it, but it's a really wide blade. And it's really nice just to take off a few really, because I've got that thing set up to take really, really, good shavings i mean wisp, wispy shavings fine shavings yeah and and it's it's flat it does everything i want it to do so if i just need to take off just a little bit to make a joint fit that's what i reach mm-hmm. for yeah but if i'm if i'm doing like actual work with a hand plane i'm going for the the jack plane yeah yeah and you know there's nothing nicer than you have a board that is just a touch too long and I just hit it on the shooting board or the shooting mm-hmm. board and bam, and it's perfect. And, you know, to be honest with you, if you can, you can tune your low angle jack plane to take smooth shaves. I, that's why I bring it up. I mean, if it were me, depend. I don't see Again, these are hard to answer because Scott, I don't know how much you use your smoother. Are you a hand tool only guy? Are you, you know, you, you use mainly use power tools, but sometimes you use your smoother I get more use out of my jack plane than I do a smoother mm-hmm. number four. Yeah. So that, that would be my recommendation, but I don't know how you use your hand tools. These are very hard to answer. Hmm. Oui? I got nothing to add. Low angle, low angle jack. I'd All go. right, let's move on. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, you use a lot of hand tools. so I do, but hand. like looking at what he's got here, I mean. And that's you know, why I try could... to salvage the number four. I'm like, man. But, but it's, yeah, he's but got a block plane it's and it's hard. Yeah. And there's a lot of good used block planes. Uh, number fours. Out number there. fours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Out there on eBay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. There's a lot. You're going to get, you're going to find yeah, those a dime a dozen. Yeah. And like I said, you know, 20, 25 bucks, you can get a pretty decent one. You spend an hour flattening it and you're golden, man. Yep. Get a new um, but, blade for it and you're, you're set. But honestly, even with inflation and the way it is, even at two sixty six, because I I believe mine was two forty nine. Yeah, um, I was cut. shocked at their price when yeah, I saw that. Yeah, has not gone up that much. No. Um, so I mean that's a that's a really good price for a very high quality jack plane. Yeah. Um, and I use the Wood River low angle jack, which is probably even cheaper than that. 
And if I was doing a low angle jack, I wouldn't, I would hold off on buying that second blade to see how you're going to use it. Yeah. I mean, if you're buying yeah. a smoother, yeah. If you're not, you know, pay the 266. And like Guy was saying, go on the second market or go on Craigslist or whatever and find you a good used number four that's not going to move that you can, mm-hmm. you know, use and replace, get two planes. I would try to get the low angle jack first and then, yeah, that, that's my vote. Final mm-hmm. answer. Bunk. Boom. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I've got the final question here. And this comes from Bob. And Bob says, or asks, I have a question about drilling pilot holes for wood screws. There seem to be two types of pilot hole countersink bits. One style has a straight bit and the other style has a tapered bit. I have read conflicting information about the different types. One, are the tapered bits only for tapered screws and the straight bits for newer straight shank wood screws? Or are the tapered bits preferable for everything? When drilling the pilot hole, should I drill a larger hole through the top board to pull the boards closer? If using the tapered bits, how is the countersink how is the countersink adjusting for longer or shorter screws as the hole depths are different? Should I just forget about the combination, drill countersink bits, and use a separate drill and countersink? Thanks for your advice, Bob. Bob, I'm gonna answer number two first. When drilling the pilot holes, should I drill a larger hole through the top board to pull the boards closer? Yes. That is good practice. If you've got, let's say, a number eight screw, you're going to use probably like a 3 bit, maybe a little bit bigger than that. Um, but that screw should go through the board. It should just drop in. And then... You countersink the the you know you pre-drill the the board that's going on it and it will pull that closer, pull it tight. That is the what's the word I'm looking for? That is the the the, the general practice for that kind of thing. Do mm-hmm. I always do that? Absolutely not. <laughs> I built a cabinet today where I was just I I hammered it together with some some crown staples. Took some two-inch wood screws and an impact driver and zip, 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 zip all over that thing. (laughs) So, um, but that is the the accepted general thoughts on doing that, especially with solid wood. And if I was building a piece of fine, you know, like, again, I'm talking about fine furniture, heirloom quality furniture, that is the proper way to do it. Uh, as far as the tapered bits go, I always use the tapered bits. Um, I don't know why, but the ones I use are the, the tapered bits with the adjustable countersink on them. Mm-hmm. I just find they work really easy. And if I have a number, you know, it's a number. Most of the wood screws I use are number six or number eight. I obviously have a number six and number eight. Uh, countersink bits. They're easy to adjust. You just have to make sure you lock that countersink bit or uh, part down really well because they do slip. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you countersink with that and the screws go right in. I have, I've never had any issues with them. Uh, most of the ones I've seen that have the straight bits in them, 
are the really cheap ones. You know, like every now and then I'll be at work and I was like, hey, you know, someone got, somebody's going, do you need anything? I'm going out. Yeah, I need a, 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 a couple number eight countersink bits. And he goes to Harbor Freight and it brings this junk back. And those usually have the straight bits in them. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I see what he's at. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, was yeah. he talking to Hui while he was there at Harbor Freight? <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> There's nothing um, wrong with that, by the way. Yeah. I, I, I'm i a big fan of pre-drawing and countersinking wood screws when I have to. Um, mainly because it, there's less chance of splitting the wood. Um, especially on the, the mating piece, if you're, if you're doing it through, you know, edge grain or end grain for that matter, um, it always helps to countersink. So I'm, I'm looking at question number one here and he says, are the tapered bits only for tapered screws and the straight bits for newer straight shank wood screws, or are the tapered bits preferred for everything? That's why I said I prefer the tapered bits for everything. I don't know what yeah. a, a straight shank wood screw is. They all have tapered tapered tips. Tapered tips, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm confused by what, what he's. I uh, okay, yeah. I th I think. I think what he's talking about is just a straight, like a straight twist bit with the counter, uh, with the countersink part on, on it. Um, and I think what you're talking about, Guy, are the cheaper ones that you find like at Harbor Freight where it's just a twist bit with that countersink attachment on yeah. the end of it. Um, yeah, the ones that I use for wood screws uh, are the they have that tapered point to them that look like a screw. Like the shape of a, yeah. the end of a screw. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Got nothing to add. I use the, uh, a monotool adjustable depth stop thingy. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That? I love it. It's fantastic. Adjustable depth stop thingy. Yeah. You got I a little Allen, you got a little Allen screw there. You loosen it and you can adjust the collar stop. Adjustable depth stop. Yeah, how yeah. deep that tapered taper head is, yep. or the the countersink head is. Yeah, yeah works great. It's expensive. Oh, it, oh, oh, yeah. I've got one of those. Yeah, I love it. I, I for number eight screws, I only use that. I got one of those for when I built my or when I installed my kitchen cabinets. Yeah, mm. it's expensive but nice. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Mm. Um, and it's a straight bit in there for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Unless I got the wrong one. <laughs> most, of, most of the time when I'm, when I'm at work, like I said, today I was, I had, well, we'll talk about it in a little bit here, what I was building, but I had to do drill a bunch of holes. And, and what I use most of the time at work is I have a, uh, one of those adjustable countersinks, you know, that goes up and down the bit. Mm -hmm. yeah. That came from a tapered bit that broke. So I've got these eighth inch bits that have a, uh, like the hex end on it, you know, like the, the, mm -hmm. the fit in the, the drivers. Mm -hmm. I put that other thing on the, the countersink off the broken tapered bit and I put it on there and I tighten it down and it's fine. Yeah. Um, and it's like I said, it's an eighth inch bit or not. Eighth, yeah. It's no 16th of an inch. I'm sorry. It's a 16th of an inch bit. 
and I'm, I'm driving number eight screws with it. With a 16th inch uh, bit? I think it's a sixth. No, it's an Maybe eighth. Maybe eighth, yeah. It's an eighth inch. I'm sorry. It's an eighth inch. 16th, 18th, eighth inch, you know, whatever eh. it takes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, like I said, there's really not, this really isn't much to talk about on this, Bob, but uh, I hope that helps a little bit because I said, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty common question. I, I, the guys that start working with me, they, you know, I see them putting screws on like, oh, stop, stop, you know, pre-drill that or countersink it. It's just, they don't get it. Mm. So anyways, so I think that's going to do it. Um, but we're going to talk about what's going on in the shop, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. We are. I want to know what Sean's doing in his shop. Sean, oh, what do you got boy. going on in your shop? Um, well, for the past, I've only had a couple of hours out in the shop because I've been in the house painting and moving furniture and stuff. So that sucked. But still, uh, I'm finishing up the veneering of the drawer fronts for the miter saw station. I was using the uh, heat lock veneer glue, but man, was that taking way too long. So I built a couple of uh, little platforms for the veneer four by four bag and was able to throw four or five drawer fronts in there at a time. And that's so much faster. So Mm -hmm. those are done. I just need to mount the drawer fronts and make some edge banding for the uh, tops. And uh, yeah, and it'll be, it'll be done. I did release a video on YouTube. So about the first part of the build of putting the cabinet together. Yeah, I saw it, but I didn't watch it. How dare you guy? I'm sorry. That's all right. I'll watch it later. That's fine. Just give it a thumbs up at least. And you don't have to watch it. Just, you know, help the algorithm. (laughs) Um, That's what I've got going on. I've got a couple of things I want to build after this, um, but I'm not thinking that far ahead right now. I've not had a whole lot of time in the shop. So that's what I have sort of going on now. We? Yeah, I haven't had a ton going on in the shop, but I did finally get all the drawer fronts for the stressor that, I mean, we are just at the very end of this thing and I'm just trying to get it out the door. Um, but it was uh, the coping stick drawer fronts. So, uh, you know, you got your rails and your styles or shaker style door uh, drawer fronts and then the MDF center panel. Uh, I've got those all glued up and done and I've just got a fit them, center them onto the drawer front, uh, the drawers themselves. Uh, got the uh, drawer slides installed. Love undermount drawer slides. They go in quite easily and very, they work wonderfully. Uh, and then... If you uh, can get them. Yeah, yeah. Have you had issues getting them? We, we can't get them. <laughs> oh, see, I we, bought we, mine. We, we want to buy, you know, like 50 at a time. You, you just can't get the damn things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had mine. I actually bought mine from a friend who stopped building cabinets. That's how I got them. Yeah. He just had a whole bunch of them and he's like, well, I'll sell you them. Everybody's, I couldn't everybody's find them. on allotment farm. You can, you can get them, but you have to wait. Yeah. So. And, uh, I did make, uh, these 45 degree cuts for some trim around the base of the dresser and i used the 45 degree chamfer bit the big big daddy 45 degree chamfer bit Mm -hmm. um man 
I love that thing. Yeah, I've got one of those. It's wonderful. Why don't you tell our wonderful listeners what else you have going on? Oh, I I had an article published in Wood Magazine on drawer bore mortise and tenon. So nice. uh, welcome yeah. to the club. I uh, thank you. Just one yeah. article. Just one. Thanks, guy. <laughs> yeah, Mister Two Articles. Hey, it's, what, what is this? A competition? It's greater than <laughs> yeah, greater it than is. Zero. It is. It's a pissing contest. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I saw that. And was, I thought it was really cool. Thanks, man. Uh, but yeah, that's all I've got going on, guy. What do you got? I know you got a lot going on. Uh, my own shop is usually nothing. Um, <laughs> the last couple weeks, we had a big order for a insurance company in Chicago. They're one of their big offices in Chicago, where they have these twenty to thirty foot long cabinets that are actually flower pots. It's hard to explain, huh. but they they're built like cabinets with an inch and a half solid top, but there's a tray in the middle of them for pots. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So they're like 30 inches tall, but they're, they're huge. And they all have these doors on them that fit on them and they're going to be clipped on. Actually, they're just coming out of finishing now. We had linear feet on those. We probably had maybe 70 feet, give or hmm. take, um, which was a lot. And we got done with that. And my, my boss comes in and goes, oh, we got this next project. We want you to build one of these. And if the customer likes, we're going to get, they're going to order more. I said, okay. So I built it. <clears throat> and I go, yeah, the customer likes it. How many do we got? Well, we need to build 17 more of them. Oh. I'm like, what? Uh. So the, the thing is, though, the, the biggest issue was is they had four-inch post legs. And we get all our lumber skip planed to one and 15 sixteenths. So the eight-quarter lumber we get is not over two inches, yeah. which means I had to laminate oh, no. three boards together to get my four inches. So, but that's 18 tables with four legs. That's 72 legs. You had to, that had to be laminated together. That's right. Eight, eight quarter. Okay. It's under yep. oh, three man. pieces of eight quarter lumber laminated together to get oh. 72 legs. It was a lot of work. We spent I spent more time laminating doing building the legs than I did building the tables. Yeah, gluing up and clamping, yeah. Yep. Um we got the I got the last one put together today and then no, it was yesterday. I got the last one put together. And then between Lunch yesterday and closing today, I built three more cabinets by myself because the one guy's on vacation. Mm -hmm. So I'm getting really, really fast at it. <laughs> so that's crown staples and screws, right? Oh man, it's we got a system. Yeah. So um, anyway, so I think that's going to be now. I think that's going to be it for the show. Yes, thanks. So all agreement. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And we would like to thank everyone who left us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us in the search rankings. And, of course, we do appreciate the support. More than anything else, we do really do appreciate the support and the feedback. 
Uh, please remember that this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community. So if you do have woodworking questions you would like answered, you can send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife. And I can be found at guyswoodshop.com or on YouTube at guyswoodshop or Instagram at guyswoodshop. Just look for guyswoodshop and you'll find me. And uh, where can you be found, Hui? You can find me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media on my website. Sean, where can we find you? You can find me at Simple Cove on Instagram and YouTube. And view my projects at simplecove.com slash Sean. S-E-A-N. That is a great website to, yes. see, to, to, to look at work people have done out there. So, mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, all right. So I guess that's it. We'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple. See ya. All right. Bye.